0: Praise God. Well, listen, welcome all of you guys who uh, are online today, um, had to make that move, just was not safe at the parking lot area here where we gather. Um, Prayerfully, that will melt in a more greater way this afternoon and into the evening tomorrow. But uh, listen, welcome this morning to New Life Church. So thankful for this opportunity to even have this chance to do this um, and, and have this Uh, way to connect with all of our people. So just want to say good morning to all of you, uh, New Life Church family, and hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, staying warm. And uh, the good news is the trend is warmer days ahead this week, and um, so that will be good. Uh, Hope you had a chance to play in the snow a little bit. If you have kids, hopefully you got a chance to build a snowman or two, uh, do a few things outside. Just pray um, that you uh, continue to be well and hold this week. Listen, we started a series last week called Matters of the Heart. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to just let you know if you're just joining us and didn't get a chance to connect with us last week, Uh, we're going to be hanging out in the Gospel of Matthew for the next few weeks, Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 for the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to pick up kind of where I left off last week. I just really encourage you, if you're a member of this church, that uh, go back to last week if you did not get a chance to see or listen to uh, the message last week uh, just to introduce this whole thing and to help you get um, just to kind of help you help us get in the same groove uh, together and so um, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 5 today I'm going to be reading uh Majority of Matthew 5, uh, well, what I'm reading today, they're out of the message, but you can still follow along. It should be also on the screen as you're watching today. But um, one of the things that the Lord has impressed upon me to for us to do as a church at the end of this series is uh, a spiritual vow renewal. And uh, again, as I said last week, I still don't know exactly what that will look like. I've got a few things the Lord has, has shared with me that I'm putting down on paper right now. But we're going to come together at the end of this series and, and pray through uh, a, a vow renewal, a spiritual renewal of our hearts to the Lord, our relationship with God. And, um, and, and not to say that we're rededicating ourselves per, per se, but more of, a, of what just responding I'll put it that way: responding to the movement of the Spirit, to to just allow ourselves to be in a place where God, uh, where we're prepared for, for what God is wanting to do in our life, even in this year. And so we're going to be coming together on that, and that's what this series uh, is 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 kind of geared towards shaping up for is is to pr- get us in a place where uh, we can respond to that. So I want to pick up in Matthew five. And again, I'll be reading these few verses out of the message, but um, this is uh, the title of today's message is, is just the second part of last week. So, Climb with Jesus, part two is, is what the, uh, today's title is. Let's pick up in uh, Matthew's Gospel 5, verse 1 says, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside, and those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. And it says, arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. And then uh, he began to speak, and I'll get to that. But I, I want to just point out again to set this up, climbing with Jesus. It says, the committed ones climbed with him. And I think that's a, a good pause for us to make, intentional, an intentional pause to make there and ask ourselves the question, am I a part of the committed? Am I willing to make the climb with Jesus? And because here's what happens when we make the climb with Jesus and these disciples in their lives, and what, what it shows us is as they climbed with him, they were able to then gain his perspective. For living, his perspective for our life. In other words, they were able to get to a place where they could receive from the Lord and what the way He saw them and the way He sees us, and able to receive from Him His perspective on who we are and who we can be, and why we're on this earth, the reason we're here. And He begins to expound on that. And in fact, the Sermon on the Mount is is the longest. Uh, discourse of Jesus' Jesus's teaching that's on record, that's from start to finish. You'll see in the other Gospels uh, of, Luke, of Mark, Luke, John, there you'll see pockets of this teaching, kind of kind of peppered in, if you will, sprinkled in. But this is the this Matthew's part has it in its entirety from start to finish. And so, um, thankful I'm not going to do the whole thing today. Okay, so uh, we're spreading this thing out. Um, but, um, and so anyway, they climbed, they're able to gain his perspective. And so let's travel in this, uh, with, with, with me today in here. And then he says, this is who you are. If you're with me, he said, this is who you are. This is who you can be. And, and he, and it begins what is called the Beatitudes, Um, And that's a word that has its root meaning of of to be blessed or to be happy. So depending on the different translations of the Bible, it'll say you're blessed when or you're happy is the man or the person who. And so the message says you're blessed when. And let's look at that. Verse 3 says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. It says, you're blessed when, verse 4, you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Some say the kingdom of God is, is uh, opposite of the kingdom of this world, and I like to say really the kingdom of this world is opposite of the kingdom of God because God's kingdom is the rule, the standard, the measure, the the true north if you will. And so everything else in life is opposite of what God says. And he says this. Jesus says, "You're blessed when verse 5. You're content with just who you are. No more No less. He said, that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. They're hearing this for the first time. They're hearing this teaching for the first time like this. They climb, they're sitting on a hillside, and they're listening. And they're hearing Jesus say, the way of the world says you're blessed when, you're happy when, but really... You're only really happy and blessed when you are able to receive it the way I give it to you and live it this way. And in verse 6, he says, You're blessed when you've worked, a good appet- up, you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. And at the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. The world teaches us you care so you can get. You give so you can have everything or what have you. And you leave yourself exhausted and empty. But Jesus says you never run out when you are caring and I'm giving it to you. Verse 8 says you're blessed. When you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right, then... You can see God in the outside world. Again, the world's opposite way is dress it up on the outside, make everything on the outside be at its best, at its finest, have the facade or what have you, while on the inside you're crumbling and falling apart. Just give the appearance that everything is good and strong and whatever. But Jesus says, no, let, let's let get it going on on the inside. Let's get things set on the inside and then the outside will take care of itself. Verse 9, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Other translations say blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 10, it says you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. So the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, says, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. So you can be glad when that happens, Give a cheer even. that. I mean, that. come on, really? Give a cheer even? Really? He says, for they don't like it, but I do, Jesus says. And he says, all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company for my prophets and my witnesses have always gotten into this, into this kind of trouble. So they're hearing this for the first time. You're blessed when? But you see where he's teaching them from And he teaches us from this place of come up to him. Climb up to where he is to get his view, to get his perspective. Because when you're above it and you look down on it, you can see things in an entirely different way. But when you're down here in the middle of it, you can only see one part of life and how it affects you and how... You and I are responding back to it. He says, gain my view, gain my perspective on life. And then he says, this is who you really are. When you find yourself going through life in these places, he says, you need to see it from my view. See it from my perspective. He says, you're here for this reason in verse 13. He says, you're on this earth for this reason. He says, You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And he goes, Here's another way to put it in verse 14. He says, You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. So God is not a secret to be kept. He says, We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. He says, if I make you light bearers, don't, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? He says, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. I love that. Open up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. So he begins this Sermon on the Mount. Climb with me. Get my view. Get my perspective on who you can be. And then he tells them, this is why you're here. You're here to be salt. You're here to be light. You need to stay salty, my friends. And you need to keep shining for Jesus. In other words, you need to continue to influence And invite people to climb with Jesus. Because the climb is worth it. He changes everything. He was setting them up and setting us up for if you climb with me, I'll make you everything that you are called to be in this world and on this life and in this earth. But here's the thing for us to continue to do that, for us to be who he's called us to be, to live out this life, to not allow life to, to, um, to just bombard us and cave in on us when we go through things but to instead have this view, this perspective, this reaction, this kind of response of the Beatitudes, and to continue to be salt and light, to not allow life to cover us, to not allow life to bombard us and hold, and hold us hostage, but to continue to bring out the God flavors and the God colors in this world when we go through things, to shine and influence and invite people to climb with Jesus, we, as his followers, have to keep climbing with him as well. And I just want to elaborate on two examples. One who of an example of one who didn't climb and one who did climb and the outcome of that. The outcome of not climbing with Jesus and the outcome of climbing with Jesus. First example is, is in the Old Testament. It's, it's um, Lot. His, he is family relative of Abraham that Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that one patriarch, Abraham. And Lot and his family were living in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, it was an evil place, a very twisted place of life where they were where they were. And that whole place, that those cities were about to come to ruin. And God was giving them a way out, much like he gives us a way out of situations and, and things that we can get stuck in sometimes. That sometimes we can try to do things with the right intentions and still get stuck and, and it not work well. And he's like, Look, I'm I'm gonna give you a way out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a whole new beginning for you, a fresh start for you, give you a whole new a whole new way of life. And this look at what the instructions were in Genesis nineteen, verse seventeen. The angel of the Lord told him, He said, Run for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the valley but escape to the mountains, or you will be swept away. Run, don't look back, don't stop, escape. In other words, climb the mountains. Well, unfortunately, Lot did not listen. Lot twisted it, begged. I would even maybe go so far to say, maybe manipulated a little bit to say I I just want to be able to only go to this place. He said in fact he found a place it's called Zoar and it it means little place and that's what he said. He said can I just go to the little place? Isn't that far enough? Isn't that good enough? Isn't that safe enough to just go to the little place? So he did. He went to the little place. He went to Zoar and but his wife didn't do what the angel said either. She looked back. She said, Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She literally became pulverized and dissolvable. Instead of fulfilling destiny, her destiny was over. She did not, was not able to live it. She w- had to look back. The temptation to look back, she looked back. And the angel said, Don't look back you got to keep going as hard as it is to for the past that draws you that magnetizes us sometimes it can be crippling it can be almost paralyzing sometimes the way our past calls us the way our past haunts us it may be 20 years in the, in the in the gap of distance from from something a long time ago but there's there's just this, this thing in us that that, that, that kind of can creep up in our mind and in our thoughts and our conscience and just call us to th- to think about Something in the past. Mesmerizing. Maybe it was a hurt. Maybe it was a trap. Maybe it was a bondage or whatever it might have been. Maybe it was a bad relationship. Maybe it was a bad experience altogether. Maybe it was a, a grief that happened years ago. And the and, and but the angel said, Don't look back. Go forward. And she looked back. And then in fact, and it goes on Lot's life, it, it just became twisted. It and he forfeited a big life in God because he settled for a little life for himself. And friends, when we don't take God at his word and actually follow through with it all the way, we're taking a chance on missing out on what God has for us. If we don't follow through with it all the way, and that's the way lots life ended that's the way his life went and he forfeited a greater life that god had for him all because he wanted to settle for a small life for himself and that's the thing about it with where we are the bible tells us and teaches us we live by faith and not by sight and oftentimes we're ruled by what we see and what we feel then what we have faith for and and what the Word tells us to believe God for. But all of that gets tested. All of that stuff gets in the mix of of fire and pressure, and we walk through the gauntlet of life, and things squeeze us, things pull us, things push us, things pry on us, all of that stuff. And God says, look, I have a better life, I have a greater life, but you've got to learn to walk with me in it and do things my way. And Lot didn't climb. But let's look at an example of one of the ones who did climb. Matthew 17. It's called the mountain of transfiguration. Matthew 17, verse 1, it says, Jesus took Peter and, their, and two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. So they climbed. It says, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And then it said, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. This is what they were seeing. And Peter said, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make us three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then it says, even as he spoke says a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, fell on their face down to the ground, and then Jesus came over, touched them, and said, hey, get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and all they saw, they only saw Jesus. Here's one of the big things that Climbing what Jesus teaches us, it opens our eyes to see only him. Because how many times have we got caught up in the spectacles of things in Christianity? How many many times have we got caught up in all the different prophetic words over the last six months? And things haven't worked out like prophetic words said they would. What do we do with that kind of stuff? What do we do when things don't pan out the way we hope they would or we thought they would? And here's what Jesus is telling us from the Sermon on the Mount. Get your eyes off a of man. Put your eyes on me. Quiet your ears from the noise and the chaos of this world and listen to what I have to tell you now. But that means we have to climb. That means we've got to be willing to make some sacrifices and gain His view and gain His heartbeat for our life. Climbing with Jesus makes it to where our eyes are fixed on Him and to where our lives are consumed with Him. And nothing else. Nothing else. In fact, there was a... a, a short guy in the Bible named Zacchaeus, that when Jesus, he heard that Jesus was coming through his town, Jericho, Zacchaeus, being a short guy of stature, could not see over the crowd Jesus. He wanted to see him, desperate to see him. So what did Zacchaeus do? It says he climbed up a sycamore tree because he knew kind of the path that Jesus would take. And he climbed up the sycamore tree so he could get a good view of Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was not honest. He was very dishonest, very um, greedy, lived for himself, gained money in a dishonest way and in a very taxing way, no pun intended. And, And Jesus passed by saw Zacchaeus in the tree, and said, Zacchaeus, he knew his name, Zacchaeus, get down, I want to go to your house. Well, Zacchaeus gets down from the tree, they go to Zacchaeus' house, and here's what happened. Because he climbed to see Jesus, Jesus saw him, and his whole household got saved. His whole entire household came to follow the Lord. So much so that Zacchaeus had such remorse, such repentance that he said, I'll give back so much back to people. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to treat people like that anymore. In other words Zacchaeus' behavior and attitude and outlook on life shifted and changed. His perspective shifted and changed because he was not who he thought he was. He was who Jesus said he was because he climbed. There was another man who climbed, bad guy, centurion, soldier. On the day that Christ was crucified, climbed the hill called Calvary, the place called the Skull, Golgotha, on that hilltop where Jesus was crucified for the world. Said that centurion who witnessed it all had a change of heart. His perspective changed. And it said that the Gospels say that he saw Jesus for who he was, the Son of God. He was locked locked and lost in this world, this wayward world. And it was on the hilltop of death where he witnessed Jesus, this innocent righteous one, give his life for mankind, that it changed him to where he no longer saw Jesus as what he was and who people thought he was, but saw Jesus for who he really was, the son of the living God. And that hard heart changed and melted and followed the Lord. In honor of Black History Month, we're trying to pull out and highlight on our uh, Facebook page, if you follow us, you see different posts of different folks in, in, in Christian faith who have made such a huge difference of the African-American lineage. And those stories have been so encouraging, and, and it's a lot, obviously I didn't know. But we found those, got those posted, and today I want to highlight a modern-day mountain climber uh, by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You might have heard of him. In fact, it's his final speech that he gave in Memphis, Tennessee on April 3rd, 1968 that was titled, I've Been to the Mountaintop. And I just want to zero in on the final few words that he gave on his final speech that night. He said, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind, like anybody. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And He's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight, he said. I'm not worried about anything, I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. It's amazing the type of transformation and empowerment that comes into a person's life when they have climbed to the mountaintop to be in the presence of Jesus. You and I have that opportunity today. In our life right now, we have a chance to climb with Jesus through these scriptures, through this sermon on the mount. Jesus is calling his people to not lay low, to not hide, to not roll over, but to climb with him. To not make judgment calls on people, but to climb to the, to the top of the mountain with Jesus so that we can gain his heart, so we can have his view, so that we can have his perspective, so that then we can go out into the world and we can be the salt and the light that he has called us to be. When you've been to the mountaintop, when you've been in the presence of Jesus, You come away in power to be able to face whatever is in front of you. Consider the words of David in Psalm 18. When God delivered him from the hand of King Saul once and for all. David said, for by you, Lord, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Who is my God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. When you've been in the presence of Jesus and you've climbed up the mountain to hear his voice, it does something to you. It should do something to you. That's the intent that He speaks to us at that quiet place on the hilltop when we're willing to make the climb with Him. And it makes you feel like you can face your giants. It makes you feel like you can leap over a wall. It makes you feel like you could go against any troop. It makes you feel like you could stand in front of anything and not be afraid. That's what Jesus does. Because life makes us afraid. People make us afraid. Situations scare the bejesus out of us. Life has a way of hitting and punching. Not fairly, might I add. Sucker punches coming up behind you when you're not looking. Life has a way of hurting and tripping. But Jesus says, when you gain my view and you get my perspective, I'll give you the fortitude to stand and to stay and to hang in there and not be jaded. going through this series it's about climbing with him and preparing our hearts for what God wants to do because there are some greater things tomorrow that God wants to do in our life but we have to be ready we have to be ready and you might be listening and wondering man I'd love to climb my heart in me right now says, Climb, boy, climb. But I got stuff in my life. I got baggage. I got burdens. I'm tired and weary. And here is what Jesus says to us in Matthew 11 Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life. I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. Walk with me. You'll discover I'm gentle, humble, and I'm easy to please. People aren't easy to please. Jesus said this about himself easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you. It will be pleasant and easy to bear. How in the world have we fumbled following Jesus? and created a fiasco of human man-made dogma and made it so hard I'm not saying life is easy life is hard and you got kids real hard <laughs> we all have our fair share burdens, and baggage, and weariness. But notice in that invitation, he never said, get rid of it. Clean yourself up. Get a fresh breath of air for yourself. Pull your bootstraps up and come on. He just said, just come to me. I'll do it with you. I'll help you. I'll work it in I'll work it out with you. It's going to be all right. You're going to be able to make it. You're going to be able to do life from my perspective. And so church, let's hear that invitation today. As he asks us, he climbs. and He's saying, will you climb with me? Let's be a church, a faith family that is willing to make the climb with the Lord. And let's get His view. And let's get His heart on our life. Wherever you're at, if you're not in a car driving, which you shouldn't be watching this and driving anyway, I don't know why we say those things, but it's kind of like a disclaimer. You kind of have to say those things. Probably at home and hopefully in the couch or somewhere bed watching. Let's, let's bow our heads. I want to just pray. Then Pastor Lindsay's going to come and give us a few closing things about our church. Father, we come before you today. And we thank you. There's so many things we don't understand. There's things we have questions about. That we wonder. But when you just get down to it, Jesus, you just say, you invite us to just come with you. And I don't know why we make it so hard. I don't know why I make it so hard. I seem to put my own rules out there and think if I do this or that, that's what you're after. But really, you're not. You just want me to climb with you. You want us to follow you and learn your ways. You'll deal with the stuff in our life. So that's what we want. We just humble ourselves now and say, Lord, we're going to climb going to climb with you and let you speak to us and let you deal with the matters of our heart in Jesus name